0: Today's reading comes from John 4, verses 4 to 15. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the word of God.
1: Um, If you have John 4 um, still open, keep that open. We're going to be exploring this uh, a bit more in detail. Um, This is uh, what we're going to be doing. This term is resuming... A series through the Book of John that was started um, in the middle of last year, um, and so the next couple weeks we're going to continue on uh, this series. And our uh, there are there are community group booklets that have, are now available, um, which I'll tell you about at the end of this, um, that follow along through these sermons. So, John chapter four. Let me let me pray. God, we just thank you for this opportunity. To gather um, around your word as your people here this morning and we pray that you would speak to us uh, that we would be different people um, walking out of here than we were as we walked in because we met with you uh, here in your word um, right now and we pray these things in your name amen um, growing up I didn't have uh, exactly the the healthiest diet uh, our family would regularly eat out or get takeaway that was sort of our standard fare uh, I would only eat the sugariest of cereals, which is desperately lacking in this country. I'll just continue to remind you. It's a, it's a tragedy, really. Um, I hardly ever tasted vegetables, which probably explains why I'm as short as I am. Uh, and I, I remember even the beverages I would drink had to um, consist mainly of sugar. I started drinking off like juice boxes, and then I, I'd, I'd wake, work my way up to, to Kool-Aid uh, and then I eventually settled on soft drinks as my regular choice of beverage. Um, and as far as anything goes that's sugary, once you have a little bit, you, you want more. You, something gets triggered in your body that you crave more. And so I sort of moved from the kind of 7-Up variety of soft drink to the Coke or Fanta and then to Coke But even that really couldn't satisfy my craving. I I had to find something more. Something that had more sugar, more taste. And so I explored until finally I found the beverage that has the highest corn... High fructose corn syrup content. And that is Mountain Dew. Now, Mountain Dew is amazing. It's just simply stunning. Um, As you look at it, I mean, even the color is beautiful. It just makes you... Saying this is like goodness in liquid form. You put it in your mouth and it goes down and it's like a party that's happening on your inside. Oh, and it's just it's it's beautiful. Like it just you just want to digest this stuff. It's it's that good. And so I I became hmm, quite obsessed with Mountain Dew. It's all I would drink ever. Because you you take one sip and your body is saying, yes. But in all honesty, Mountain Dew is actually not good for you at all. There's actually nothing good about Mountain Dew for you. In fact, uh, this, is, this is absolutely true. You can look it up. Uh, someone once tried to sue the company that creates Mountain Dew, claiming that they bought a bottle of Mountain Dew and inside was a dead mouse. So they, they tried to sue Mountain Dew. And um, the, the argument that won the defense... Mountain Dew was able to get off scot free with this defense. Was that the acidic content in Mountain Dew is so high that if a mouse had in fact gotten into a bottle, uh, it would dissolve entirely within its liquid. No joke. That if somehow a mouse got in there, the the stuff in Mountain Dew would just obliterate the whole thing. It would leave absolutely no trace, no bones, no skin, no fur, nothing. It's just somehow in here, and you wouldn't even know. And this actually happened, and so they proved this in court, and they got off, and this person wasn't able to get any money out of Mountain Dew. And when a drink has that sort of potential, you know it can't be good for you. It can't. It's just not possible, which is why my wife insisted so that I might be around uh, with functional, undissolved internal organs. When my kids graduate or get married, I stop drinking soft drinks, and I move on to something a bit better, like good old-fashioned water. Now, water is not as pretty as this glowing, green, beautiful goodness here, um, but it does the job, right? You drink it, it's, it satisfies you, it tastes, it tastes all right, I guess. Like, it doesn't really have a taste, but... Your your body thinks it's good for you. Like you feel you feel quenched. Um, when I would go on uh, mount, uh, mission trips to Vanuatu, you're out in the tropics, and it's just this hot air. Humidity just sucks all the moisture out of you. And when you've been out in the hot sun all day, um, the last thing you want to drink is Mountain Dew. Drinking Mountain Dew in an environment like that would actually have the opposite effect. It would be it make you feel worse and horrible. It wouldn't. Quench you at all? What you actually want is water, and so you just down water. And if you've been exercising, you've been working hard or whatever. Like this is like the best thing you can get. Like ah, and your body says thank you. This is amazing. Um, what you? This is what we're really looking for. It it rehydrates you. It satisfies your body's thirst. Water. It's it's great. Free advertisement. Sydney water. There you go. Um, so why am I talking about beverages, then, you may be asking. That's a good question. Well, because that's exactly the conversation that's happening in our passage today. Uh, the gist of the story is this dialogue between Jesus and a Samaritan woman uh, next to a well, having a discussion of all things about what satisfies your thirst. Um, in verse 3, if you have a look at John 4, Jesus tells us, or the writer tells us Jesus is hanging out in Judea, which is... ...the southern portion of Israel... ...and he had to depart to Galilee... ...which is the northern part of Israel. And in verse 4, the text tells us... ...that Jesus had to go through Samaria... ...which seems to make complete sense to us... ...because Samaria is right in the middle... ...of those two locations. So he had to go through the middle. That makes sense. But we don't really get very far into the passage... ...until we realize that this little journey... ...that Jesus takes is actually a bit odd. If you look at verse 9... Verse 9 tells us that Jews, like Jesus, do not associate with Samaritans. That's kind of an understatement. It's a a big understatement, in fact. In order to understand uh, what that that verse is trying to tell us, we have to rewind a few hundred years. Um, Back in the days when Israel was one unified kingdom, some people in the northern part of the land did not like how things were being run, and so they decided to split off. They called themselves Israel, even though they're already called Israel, implying it was they and not their southern neighbors that were really the people of God. Uh, It didn't take very long, however, for this new northern kingdom of Israel to begin making some bad choices. They, um, They rejected the Lord as their God. They turned to other things to satisfy them. They began abusing and mistreating one another and the land around them. And with this kingdom in disarray, Assyria, which is a a powerful country just to the north, took advantage of the situation, it conquered Israel, eliminated most of its inhabitants, and then moved other people into the land for them to settle there. The locals who were left then intermarried with these new neighbors um, and would adopt their gods and their customs and their culture. And their former friends in the south felt that these people many of whom uh, lived in the capital city of Samaria, were sellouts, were scum, had abandoned their people, had abandoned truth, had abandoned their culture, had abandoned their God. And so when people in the south had to make the journey to the northern part, or vice versa, instead of taking a direct route straight through the middle through Samaria, they would then go east across the Jordan River, and then north, And then cross back over west to go into Galilee, avoiding Samaria and its disgusting inhabitants altogether. They just wanted nothing to do with people like this. Which makes verse 4 all the more startling. It reads, Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. If you're an ancient Jew reading this, your first response would be, well, no. No, he didn't have to go through Samaria. He didn't have to at all. There's actually, there's no good Jewish person to do that. There's other routes that you could take to get you where you wanted to go. Which then tells us that the fact that Jesus had to go there means that there's something deliberate, something planned, something intentional uh, about why Jesus went to where he was, to that exact spot, to that precise well, at that ordained moment of the day. Um, he could have taken a different path, as most people would have back then. But Jesus had to go to this place at that time, which should make us ask, why? What's, what's so important uh, about this well, at this location, at this time of the day? Well, verse 7 answers that question for us. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water at the well. Verse 6 tells us it was about noon, the hottest time of the day, which we'll find in a minute, is actually very significant to the story. Jesus had come to this exact well for no other purpose than to meet with this woman. There's no other real explanation to it. That's, That's why he came. Okay, well that's true. If he came to meet just with this woman, that's pretty important then. So if something... Must, something big must be in the works, right? He's going to have some amazing teaching or he's going to do some big miracle. That's why he had to go there and meet with this woman, right? That's, that's what's going to happen. Well, not exactly. See, Jesus, he says something to her, but it's quite strange. He just asks her one simple question. And the question is, will you give me a drink? Nothing really deep about that, nothing monumental. Can you need to give me a drink? A few weeks ago, we looked at uh, how throughout Scripture, God, God seems to do this often, where he asks people questions that have seemingly obvious answers. And the reason why he does that is because behind these simple questions lie deeper things God is actually wanting to pull out of us, for us to wrestle with, to work through, things that we often bury deep within us. And so, Jesus' question, will you give me a drink, there's two real obvious answers to that question. She could say, yes... And get him some water. Or she could say, no, I, I don't know who you are. No, go away. Like she, could, she could have said either one of those, but she doesn't. Instead, the question stirs stump, something up in her. And she wants to know why a Jewish man like him would want a drink from a Samaritan woman like her. So then Jesus takes it to an even deeper level. He says, look, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that you were speaking to, you'd ask him for a drink. And he would give you living water. the woman doesn't quite understand what jesus is talking about i wouldn't understand if that was happening what what are you talking about i'm talking about water what what and so she asks him look the well is deep you don't have a bucket dude where are you going to get this living water from are are you greater than our forefather jacob who who uh who himself drew water from this very well are you better than him jesus responds verse 13 look everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again But if you drink the water I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. Never, for all eternity, in fact. Verse 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. And that verse, I think, is the crux of the whole story. Uh, Jesus came to this exact spot at this exact time to meet with this exact woman to talk about thirst, what it is that you're thirsting for. A conversation about wells and buckets and waters ends with this woman's climactic statement, I don't want to be thirsty anymore, and I don't want to come back to this well ever again. Why would she say something like that? She didn't have to share that again. Like She, she didn't have to say anything like that. She's having a simple conversation about water, and yet she unloads this big truth. And I think it has everything to do with why she is there at the time she is. The the text tells us the woman comes at noon, the hottest part of the day. It's a time when no one else would be there. Um, Everyone else would come at sunrise or sunset when the temperature is cooler. But not her. See, she goes at a time when she knows no other person is going to be around. She goes there... um, knowing that she's not going to have to deal with anyone else, which tells us something about her, uh, about, why she, about why she is someone that doesn't want to, to be thirsty, and why she doesn't want to keep coming to the well anymore. She is someone that's looking for something that will satisfy and refresh her once and for all, which then shouldn't surprise us why Jesus changes the subject at this precise moment. At verse 15, she says, "'Look, I'm, I'm thirsty,' And, I, and I'm interested in this living water that you're talking about. But then in verse 16, Jesus switches subjects, which doesn't make sense. She's interested. She's buying into it. And he says, Go and call your husband and bring him along. You're like, What? What, what does that have to do with water? What are you talking about? And you, you would think, Jesus, what are you doing? But it's actually very intentional. He knows exactly what's going on. And the woman says, Look, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I already know that. You've, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with right now isn't your husband. And there are many ways to interpret this verse, um, but what sits behind it, it's what sits behind it that's important. And that is that um, this woman may be a prostitute, or at very least, she's sexually promiscuous, which would explain the noontime visit. Uh, why else would you go out in an arid desert in the middle of the day to get water, Because you don't want to endure the whispering. You don't want to endure the stares or the finger-pointing or the gossip that you knew you would be coming if you went at the same time that everybody else did. It was frowned upon in society back then to remarry if you got divorced or your husband uh, passed away, um, if that was actually what was happening in her story, but... To do it five times, even then, that's sort of questionable. Even today, we would say, why would someone move to and from so many relationships like that? But more likely, what's happening is these husbands were her sexual partners, and everyone in town knew who she was and what she was up to, and they probably shamed her for it. Well, let me put it a different way. Let's, let's examine her story a different way. This woman, essentially, is living like someone who drinks Mountain Dew on a regular basis... Uh, I think Hmm It tastes good at first Right? It's something that seems attractive It seems good But you know it's not really healthy It's not doing anything for you She herself admits this to Jesus That the life that she's been consuming It feels good momentarily It looks good on the outside On first appearance But ultimately it's rotting away her insides Uh She's been trying to find fulfillment, we can assume, through a relationship, through a partner, or through sex. But despite how many times she takes the drink of this life, she's, she's still thirsty. She's thirsty for more. It's not satisfying her. So then we are told she comes to the well look, when no one else is around looking for water. Um, water, unlike Mountain Dew, does satisfy your thirst. It's pleasant. It refreshes you. And if Mountain Dew is sort of the destructive, attractive yet destructive lifestyle, well water I think is the normal everyday substance you and I take in to, to get through life with minimum side effects. It's what everybody does. It's working, it's friendships, it's family, it's trying to be a decent person, trying to be better than that person, um, you know, next to you or whatever. It's what we all do and all consume every day. It's just the stuff that ...we think that we need to do to be a good person or to have a happy life. But Jesus says, you know what, there's, there's a problem even with water, though. Uh, like this woman, you have to keep coming back to the well. You have to keep drinking it over and over again. You can't go more than a few days without it. Otherwise, you get sick and die. Uh, it satisfies your body better than Mountain Dew... ...and is generally better for your well-being, that's for sure... It meets your bodily cravings every day. But see, Jesus recognizes that we're meant for more than just sort of the normal everyday struggle. That there's something inside of us that yearns to thrive and not just survive. Something that goes beyond what our flesh, what our body yearns for, to where our spirit, what our soul longs for. Um, Living water. All you need and more forever. Forever. Uh, no more living in shame, no more looking for greener pastures, no more going through the same routines to try to make it through the day, no more agonizing trek back to the well. A once and for all meeting of all your inner longings, peace, wholeness, security, purpose, life, love, security, freedom, made available to you through Jesus, uh, this free gift that he offers to all of us. And the story continues if you want to read on. Um, Of more and more people becoming interested in this living water that Jesus is talking about. But the woman's own story finds its zenith in verses 28 and 29. Have a look if you have your Bibles open. It says this Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Now, if you're unaware what that Messiah word means, it's it's a Hebrew word that came from the Old Testament writings of the belief that God himself was going to come back and set everything right. He's going to make the world as it should be again. He was going to make us as we should be again. And this woman who wanted, with all her being, to avoid her fellow townspeople, these people who were looking at her and judging her, upon meeting Jesus, something has changed. She leaves her water jar, which I think is representative of her whole life. She leaves it all behind. She finds something in Jesus. She leaves it behind. And the first thing she does is return to the people that she doesn't want to deal with to tell them about what she's found. She returns there without fear, with no shame any longer, not longer no, no longer caring about the stares or the whispers or the news that would go around about who she was, Um, about these people who knew all about her. But she said, look, I found something. I found someone who knows all about me, yet loves me anyway. Could this be the person that we've all been waiting for? Could this be the one that's going to satisfy us once and for all? See, once she had met Jesus, everything had changed. The Mountain Dew life was over, really. She realized that was hollow. Even returning to the well for water, no longer satisfied. Uh, That life isn't what she was really looking for. Instead, in meeting Jesus, she found living water, someone that knows all about me, and yet welcomed me in and provided everything I need now and for forever. So the question is for us, if that happened then, what about you now? Uh, There will certainly be those of us here who consume the copious, copious amounts of the Mountain Dew type of life. A life that seems fun and attractive and tastes good at first, but actually probably causes more harm than good to us, to other people around us. Um, you know that it's destructive and you you want something better, but you don't know how, just like this woman was. Or maybe you think, well, I'm not like this woman. I I live a decent life. I'm not as bad as this guy who's sitting in the pew right next to me I'm not that I'm not that bad but you go through the motions of everyday life you you you're in the rat race you're you're doing all the same things everybody else is but you're actually not very happy you're not satisfied you don't actually feel refreshed more than a moment at a time and here's the kicker for me remember back in verse 4 where the text said now Jesus had to go through Samaria we know he didn't he didn't have to do that Yet he purposely went to that place at that time to meet with this woman. He knew who she was, he knew what she was doing, what she was really looking for before she had even met him, and he went way out of his way to meet with her, of all people. She was that important to him, this nameless woman, that not even the author tells us her name, but he knew who she was, and the kicker is that he does the same for you and me. He's not waiting for you to get your life together before he'll love you. He's not hoping that you'll get frustrated enough with your life before you look for him. He comes to you. That's what we talked about last week. That's what the cross is all about. And he's not offering you and I Mountain Dew type of life or dirty well water type of life. He smiles, extends his hand to you and me and says, in me is living water. Do you want to take a drink? And maybe you think maybe that's something that i've been missing i need to accept jesus's offer for living water and you know what now is now is the opportunity because he's here he's reaching out to you through his word you can have your deepest longings met now how do you get that started well do what this woman did talk with someone you can turn with the person that's sitting next to you or the friend or family member that brought you you can come talk to me and if that's too daunting to you, you can just sit and say, I'm going to talk to you, God, in prayer. You're God who knows me, who hears me, who listens to me, and I want to ask you for living water. I want you to show me how much you love me. And I would just challenge you, if that's you, either of these lifestyles look anything like the life that you consume every day. Don't leave this room without at least checking out Jesus' offer. You're not going to regret it. And you're not going to walk away thirsty anymore. You'll be satisfied. So why would you keep returning back to these things that don't meet your thirst? Let's pray together. Jesus, I just want to thank you for a story about a woman who is so important to you that you went out of your way to show her how much you love her. That that's essentially what the gospel is all about. That you're a God who meets us. Despite being lost, despite making bad choices, despite running away from you or ignoring you or turning to other things to satisfy our cravings, you're God who pursues us. And like this woman, you smile and extend your hand and offer us something better, something more, something that will actually satisfy us for all eternity. I pray that we would all accept this invitation to take a drink of the living water that you offer us. Lord, if there's anyone in here who yeah, feels like they want to escape these lifestyles that don't really take us anywhere, that are destructive or at the very least um, yeah, cause us to not experience the true life that you offer us, we pray that we would take a drink, that we would explore who you are, your great love for us, and turn to you. That we'd have a conversation with someone about how we can get that process started. God, we thank you for this living water that you offer us in Jesus. We thank you that um, you, you care for us so much that you came and lived among us. You found us even in the middle of our sin and extended your hand and invited us in. Help us to live a life that pursues you and experiences this great love that you offer us in Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Amen.